Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Insert stunned silence here. again and he's got it Gavin was closing in oh Gavin has scored Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three Hello and welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me. I'm Charles and if you're anything like me, you'll be feeling rather happy about the weekend's win over Plymouth, but also wondering if it is yet another false dawn. That's enough negativity though. I know you don't like it too much. Joining me on today's podcast are Chessie and Neil. And like them, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and on all of the podcast platforms. Before we find out just how happy these two are, can I just ask you to leave a five-star review on iTunes? We've had quite a few recently, and they're all looking beautiful. The more reviews we have, the more Apple will promote the show, and the more people will join you in listening to us. Coming up then, we go potty about Plymouth, hear your thoughts in the Cobbler's postbag, and unveil our Player and Goal of the Month winners for August, as voted for you on our Twitter. We also speak to Bradford fan Tim Penfold and get his views on the upcoming game at the weekend. Uh, We start though by rounding up BDK's deadline day deals. I'm Chris Hargreaves and it's all cobblers to me. Neil. 
you were there at Sixfields in a bush all day, allegedly. <laughs> how did how did the day go? <laughs> Long and drawn out, Charles. Um, <laughs> there was three deals done today. Uh, it wasn't there. So we had um, Joe Bunny departing, which I think was expected, wasn't it? Yeah, I was expecting it. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I think. I can see why some people are surprised about it. He, he's played in the last few games and he's played well. Um, but he's always said that he wants to be up north, hasn't he? Um, and, you know, going to Bolton is indeed up north. It is. Yep. So his contract was cancelled, wasn't it? And then he's since then signed for Bolton. We've had, what's his name come in as a free transfer? How do you, Elgi Kaja, is it? I bet that's as good as any. <laughs> uh, he's our first Albanian, is he? Yes, yes, apparently so. Our first Albanian footballer playing for the Cobblers. I, I think that's actually worthy of its own round of applause. Yeah, so he's joined a sort of, uh, by all accounts, and there's not many of them when you Google his name, but by all of those two or three mentions of his name on Twitter and, and on Google, he is a pacey, wide player stroke, second striker, I think he's been described as, hasn't he? Does that mean we finally got our winger? Can well, we get a hallelujah sound? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. Uh, I, think you've, I think he's one that you've just got to judge on how he, how he performs for us, hasn't he? If you look at his stats, it's not particularly impressive. And there's already people writing him off, but I think you've just got to give him... Look, he's a Cobblers player now. See how he does for us uh, and judge him on how he performs when he's on the pitch for us. I'm Alan Neil and it's all Cobblers to me. The final deal we've had is Danny, isn't it? Which not many people will know about, but Danny has left the podcast uh, and transferred across to Forest Green. Uh, and I believe, what's their podcast titled? Vegans Are Us podcast or something like that. Vegans Forever. That's it. Um, vegans forever so no more Danny are we inserting a Spice Girls track over the top of that we absolutely will <laughs> if the Forest Green Rovers podcast is not called Vegans Forever and they need an intro doing we'll source it <laughs> Vegans Forever uh, I'll be waiting it's like the Spice Girls are here brilliant <laughs> so Danny's gone Joe Bunny's gone and uh, Elgi Kaja is is in the building. There was rumour of another sign-in, wasn't there? Um, well, that rumour that you started, yes. <laughs> a rumour that I've started, yeah, with with grounds too. Um, but yeah, there's rumour of another, and, and maybe, you know, by the time this is released tomorrow morning, it's unlikely he won't be through the door, is it? So, <laughs> <laughs> is, it is it Ricky Holmes? It's not Ricky Holmes, no. Oh. Wrong, wrong position. All, all we can go into is that it's, it's a defender potentially to replace Joe Bunny. Lovely. Well, uh, Saturday, um, bit of a turn up for the books, really, wasn't it? A 3-1 spanking of Plymouth Argyle, who started the day in second position in the league. Um, Fantastic result. Neil, you were there. Just how much did you enjoy that performance? Uh, Very much so, Charles, actually. Um, In fact, I do remember, I think on last week's pod, did I predict 4-1 to Cobblers? Yeah, and then immediately well, reversed uh, it. I got bullied into reversing <laughs> it to Plymouth. So, <laughs> um, no, it was good. It was a great performance, actually. And the only 
I was talking to my friend afterwards, um, uh, and the only fault I could really pick was that we didn't win by more, which is uh, not the worst fault in the world, right? Um, I thought we should have won by. They had a couple of chances, and actually, when you watch the highlights, the, the sort of the two-minute highlights that Sky release on on their app, I think I said to you, didn't I? That they don't really represent the game because it showed their, their their headed chance in the first half, which was where the, their fella headed over from about six yards, and then their chance in the second half where the guy missed an open goal from about three yards. Apart from that, and there was one shot, I think, which Cornell turned over the bar or turned round the post or whatever. But apart from that, they they didn't have that many. Whereas we had, I mean, we had 10, 10 11 shots on target on Saturday and it was a complete turnaround as to how we've been performing. And it was wholly unexpected. But I tell you what, it's bloody enjoyable. The, the one thing that I got, I mean, I was listening to it on the radio. I think you were doing the same, weren't you, Chessie? Yeah, definitely. And the thing that came across really well was was just how how exciting it is when the cobblers are playing well and and winning. It, there's a there's a definite spring in the step of the voice of Tim Oglethorpe when we're when we're playing well. It's almost a kind of ah, this is the cobblers we actually know and love, you know, that we've not seen for like a decade. But you know, it actually kind of lived up to to what we were hearing on the radio, I thought, judging by what you've told us anyway, Neil, afterwards. I'll tell you why uh, Tim Oglethorpe would have been getting excited, because he would have been instantly dreaming of the playoffs. No question. <laughs> he never mentioned them. He, he never mentioned he them. He probably stopped himself, but I bet in his head he was thinking, he, all, that was, you know, all that was going around his head was playoffs, 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 playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, it, but to be fair, it was a performance where that made you think, actually, hold on this team could do something this season. And it's something we've been, it's been pretty negative all season, hasn't it? On sort of Cobblers fans and especially on this podcast, we've been pretty negative. Um, Valid reasons, I guess, because we've not really seen anything that's made us think, hold on a minute. Whereas actually against Plymouth, that was a performance that, it certainly, it sort of made me sit up a little bit and think, actually, there's something in this team potentially. Um, And I'm sure we'll go on to dissect the game a little bit more, but yeah, it was great to see. I mean, it started off brilliantly, didn't it? I mean, seven minutes in and we're winning a penalty. Uh, Chessie, I- I'm going to presume that you have watched the highlights here um, and that you, yeah. you therefore do know why the penalty was given. For you, what what's your initial reaction? Penalty or no penalty? I think it was penalty all day long, but I was... When I looked at the highlights, the ref took a little while to make his mind up, didn't he? He did. Um I think it. I think it was clear that it was a penalty, um, but he he did he did turn away from. You can say he turned away from the ball, but it it was too late. It was already there as such. So I I don't think it would have been um, harsh on um, Plymouth to give it, if that makes sense. I think had they have not given it, it would have been really harsh on us. I don't think it was harsh on the Plymouth bloke. And to be honest, from what I've seen of the highlights, and Neil will be able to tell us, they no one really protested too much, which makes you think actually it probably was. It was a bit. There was a bit of a protest. I wouldn't say protest. That's probably going too far. But there was a little bit, a little bit of a <laughs> of a. Moment. Was it on top of the six yards <laughs> hill? <laughs> Hi, Dave. Um, <laughs> it was just a uh, yeah. It was there was a bit of moaning at the ref and stuff, and, and actually, I thought watching it live, I thought that's a definite penalty. I think I even said to to my lads, I was like penalty. Um, 
and and, and he, he took a minute. I think the ref gave himself a few seconds to think about it and then gave it. Actually, watching back the highlights, it's, it's ropey, but it, it's I think with certainly with the new handball laws that are in place and stuff, it's a definite penalty. Um, and, it, and that's it, what I was going to say. Actually, it's, it's that new handball law which basically one. states yeah. if you hand, handle the ball in the area, it's a penalty. Done. Yeah, and ultimately that that player is at fault as well for Plymouth. So you know you can moan about the referee giving it or not giving it. I mean, I'd, I'd say out in that instance, that's probably given eight times out of ten. Um, but also you can moan about that. You know, it's that player's fault. I mean, why is he jumping up like that and turning himself a little bit anyway? Just face face on the ball. Well, this is it, right? So in the Chronicle and Echo, and I think this was released on Monday, um, this particular article, um, referee swayed towards the cobblers against Plymouth claims Argyle defender. And it's basically Joe Riley, who was Plymouth's goal scorer, um, basically stating that in the first half especially, the referee was essentially a homer and gave everything our way. Now, he does go on and he does say about how, you know, he's he's basically, you know, the, the penalty shouldn't really have been given. And I mean, I look at it and he says, let me just find it here. So he says, when you are jumping, you have got to use your arms. Fads has jumped to try to block a cross and your arms are going to be in the air. I mean, they can't not. do anything. They're, they're, they're footballers. They're footballers. They don't play with their hands. <laughs> like, it's not, it's like, that's just a ridiculous comment to make. You don't jump like that. If you're going to head it, you don't jump like you that. Jump, you yeah. don't jump like that. You don't use your arms. It's not like I can. I understand where he's coming from. It's the age-old argument, isn't it? That you do when you try to jump, then you do try and use your arms to sort of gather some form of leverage. Yeah, and, I get that. And and go they ain't up. But swimming the way, now, are they? Let's be honest. <laughs> but the way that he's actually. The way that it's actually struck him is he's kind of turned sideways on, hasn't he? And he's put his arms out. And he, if you freeze frame it, it almost looks like he's a he's a swimming diver. That's, yeah, yeah, that's exactly. the position that he's in, isn't it? That is not a natural position to be in. You can you can turn your back and not have your arms up at shoulder height, stretched out in front of you. Yeah, I agree totally. Uh, and I think that claim from was it was it Joe Riley? Did you say the mm-hmm. Plymouth player? Yeah, is, mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Um, I actually I thought I didn't think the referee was great but I didn't think there was anything particularly major, but that he had to decide on really, apart from the penalty incident and then the free kick he gave for their goal, which was, I thought, I've not actually watched that back, but at time of viewing, I thought it was a fantastic tackle by Ryan Watson and I was amazed that he gave a free kick for it. I can understand why you felt like that. I mean, what was your reaction, Jesse, when, you, when you've watched it back on the, on the highlights? The free kick was harsh, wasn't it? And... Um... We didn't defend it well either, which didn't help our cause. But the free kick was really harsh. Um, and I think from Neil's reaction, because we've got a little WhatsApp group, haven't we, and we keep updated. But the reaction from Neil that we got through on the group tell, told us all we needed to know about it because it was a perfectly timed tackle. And it ju- it was just so it was ridiculous, really. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was... No, I thought it was a ridiculous decision. I think it's... I mean, I can see why it's given in modern football, but I th- it was a good tackle. He won the ball. Well, this is this is where I kind of look at it and go, I agree. He did he did win the ball. However, it's the follow through. It's the way that he's the reason why the free kick's been given is because of the fact that he comes in 
at the side, slightly behind the player. And he basically clears the player out. You know, yes, he gets the ball, but it's quite a dangerous tackle. I'm actually quite amazed he didn't get booked for it on top of the free kick. And I mean that based on the way that the, the game is today. I'm not saying that that, that it is a necessarily a dangerous tackle. I mean, but the way that if, if you're watching match of the day, that you know, you're going to have one pundit, say Alan Shearer, saying definite free kick, maybe even a yellow card. And you're going to have the other pundit turning around and disagreeing. It's, it's one of those challenges that unfortunately in today's game, you just can't do. And as much as it looks like he wins the ball, the referee's always going to give that as a free kick, I think. But it did look harsh when I looked at it. It did, it did look like he did win the ball. The thing is, with those kinds of tackles, they have to be timed perfectly. And if he'd have timed it a second out, he'd, he'd have taken the player out and he'd done some damage. But because he didn't, it, it seems so harsh, doesn't it? I mean, it didn't. At the end of the day, it didn't actually matter. I mean, the free kick itself... I mean, David Cornell's getting to the point where he's every single time that the that we concede, he's always doing. He's doing a Peter Schmeichel, isn't he? And really ranting and yeah. raving at the defence, which is great to see, in my my opinion. I mean, he's turning around, and he's having a pop at the wall for not basically blocking it. Non-existent. Well, it was non. Yeah, but I'm sorry, but how many how many times have you seen in League Two football a free kick in that position and? A shot being drilled along the floor like that. It happens, doesn't it? it? That's yeah. very true. It's very it's rare. Very I, I don't know. I think it's 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 one of them, isn't it? Like you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. If you if you yeah. don't jump, then they'll probably whip it just over the top of the wall and into the bottom corner. If you do jump, it goes under. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Whether to jump or not jump. I. Oh, no. To jump or not to jump? <laughs> Podcast title. That is the question. That is the question. <laughs> but, I mean, when I used to play football, and albeit at a very amateur level, um, when I used to get lobbed in the wall, which I didn't used to like because I didn't like the idea of the ball hitting me, um, but I used to do... I, Maybe. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I wonder why I only played at a very basic level. Um, but I didn't used to jump and, and if I was in the wall uh, on the basis that, look, the wall's there, try and beat the wall. And then it's down to the keeper, right? Um, it's a difficult one. I, I think Cornell has got a right to be annoyed and angry, but then you don't know what they're told in training in terms of what to do in that situation. I wonder how many times this season we will um, see a free kick from the opposition go the way it went for Plymouth. And actually, to be fair, I think your comment, Charles, will probably be fairly accurate because I don't think we will see many of them. And actually, if they're told on the training ground to jump, then they're going to jump. And nine times out of ten, they're going to be going in the right direction. Whether it's saved or not, or whether it's blocked or not, is a different matter. Yeah, that's it. You you are going to run the risk, but nine times out of ten, uh, an attacking free kick like that is going to be a bend it like Beckham style attempt, isn't it? Over the wall and into yeah. the top corner. The, the fact is, is that they've just they've just caught us out, haven't they? Um, but it's, it's unlucky. I do think there's an element that you can wait until they've taken the free kick to decide whether to jump or not i know it's, it's you, you don't have a much reaction time i know but you, you can tell pretty quickly surely <laughs> whether you need to jump or not <laughs> i personally or maybe i'm wrong i don't know um maybe we'll do like a little experiment yeah one day Neil, I mean, we'll, uh, for, for like our, uh, our our twitter feed or something well we'll need someone that can take a free kick we'll get alan nil involved <laughs> 
<laughs> you would have had a chance then, Neil. <laughs> I do. I just think if they're taking, if you're taking a free kick, surely I know you've read it. What you've got ten yards, ten yards, right? That's how far you, the ball is supposed to be back from the ball. Surely you can tell just as they're taking it, just as it's leaving their foot. Whether right, that's going airborne. I need to jump, or that's staying along the floor. I can just stand there. I think maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe. Probably. Probably, yeah, fact, probably. Yeah. probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you someone that did have a really, really good game, and we're going to say it, Sam Hoskins. Three assists, looked unbeatable, did did play a really, really solid game and attacked well. Um, and he had an end product. He was everything we've wanted him to be on Saturday. He, he I mean, his... His effort, even we've never really questioned, have we? And his, no. he never stops running. Um, he's very fit. Um, Danny thinks so in more ways than one, obviously. <laughs> but he's very athletic and he gets around the pitch very well, doesn't he? So you've never never questioned that. But he, the question, the question has always been his end product. And on Saturday, it was there. It was brilliant. He he, like you said, three assists. The, the cross for. Um, the penalty that was Sam Hoskins. The cross for Williams's first and second goal was both Sam Hoskins. Um, and actually, yeah. he there was probably his best, his actual best one was one that didn't end up in a goal. It was in the second half, uh, and he had it out wide right, and he had a little bit of time to think about it. And, and we've said before, haven't we, about you know Sam Hoskins is better when he doesn't have time to think, but he actually had a bit of time to think about it. But he dinked a lovely cross in to Billy Waters, who was on his own literally on his own in, in, on the edge of their box. Um, but unfortunately, Billy Waters' touch was absolutely terrible and it went straight through to the keeper. Was that when he was offside as well? No, I don't think he was offside. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Offside. I think the radio commentary maybe said that he was. Maybe maybe it didn't get given because the goalkeeper picked it up. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Just carried on, know, yeah. maybe. Um, I mean, Andy Williams, another you know player that had a fantastic game. I mean, we've never actually thought that he should have been really dropped. Um, top goal scorer for us last season, of course. And, you know, back in the side. And he's already scored three this season. The thing is, he's now getting service as well, isn't he, off that back of that yeah. performance? I remember I said a few weeks ago, you know, he, yeah, all right, he's a brilliant goal scorer. He's really good at what he does. He wasn't getting the service to actually get the goals. So he was in a really difficult position because he probably wasn't getting picked on account of the fact that he wasn't getting many opportunities because uh, people around him weren't giving him the service. But on Saturday, everybody's role, as Keith Curl loves to say, everybody's role worked perfectly. So he had the perfect amount of service to get to get as many chances as he could. And actually, looking at the whole team from you know defence up, that none of them looked out of place. And because of that, Williams got had that ability to run free, really. And I think that was really, really effective. And I think it was effective for all of them, all 11 on the pitch, not just him. But I think Williams really benefited from that the most because he, he was more mobile. He could yeah. do more. What, was the, what, what changed then, Neil? What was the difference between last week? Charles. <laughs> uh, well, all right then. What was, what was the defining factor in, in getting those three points? You look at how we were against Colchester and one week later, yes, a, a little FA 
League, league trophy win or whatever the Blinkenek it's called. The FL Champions uh, League. Against, that's the one, on, on penalties against Arsenal. But, I mean, it can't be that we've just played the same way as we have been doing and have got lucky and come up against the team that were complacent. There's a couple of things, I think. The, the Certainly for me, the, the most noticeable, well, the two most noticeable changes against Plymouth were we we pressed the ball a lot better than we have done all season. Um, we pressed high up the pitch and and, and a lot. Large... Do you mean in terms of that we we pressed more as a team? So when you, when you sort of look at uh, how analysts on again match of the day will will analyse a, a press. Like if you look at Liverpool, the way that they actually you know there's always two or three of them go at each time that a player has a ball, the opposition has the ball. There's always three Liverpool attacking players that, that press each time the ball is passed and, and eventually they'll they'll give it up. I, I don't think we've necessarily seen the Cobblers do that in previous games this season. Yeah, it wasn't quite at that level, obviously. Um, and there was hmm. still the occasions where, you know, a couple of the players were frustrated with other players on the team for not following up their pressing and stuff. But like in large part of it, yeah, there was... They were as a team. The other, definitely, the other big change is that we utilised the midfield um, and and we actually played football and we passed the ball. Um, granted, there was still some a few wayward passes here and there, which you're going to get in League Two and stuff. But it was much more pleasing on the eye, and it meant that Chris Lyons and Ryan Watson were massively more involved in the game. And and actually, they they won the midfield battle. They both had really good games, I thought. And Ryan Watson got around the pitch really well, and and also, you know, play some nice passes, put some good tackles in. Chris Lyons was a really nice, calming influence when he got the ball. He was really good at slowing down play and getting on the ball and stuff. So it just worked really well. And I think, in, in part, I think Keith Curl had a, had a, had the number on on Ryan Lowe in terms of outmanaged him, outthought him. He set up our team to to nullify their attack and their their problems. And in, in a large part, it worked. I mean, they had to change their system a little bit in the second half and they, they did get on the ball a little bit more and they were sort of overloading the flanks a little bit, especially down down our right side. So where McWilliams was, there was definitely a couple of times where he got overloaded a bit and they had two, two men on him. Um, but it was never, and I think I said this during the WhatsApp group we've got during the game as it was near and you, you guys are asking how it, how it was going. It's gone a bit quiet and stuff. And I said, oh, it's getting a bit nervy and stuff. Actually, it wasn't really getting that nervy. That's just me being a nervous Cobblers fan, knowing what we're like. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, we, we win the game. We've got to be happy with it. Um, one of the things that I've seen being said is that it was a complete performance. Um, we've obviously set the standard now. This is the way that we've got to perform going forward. I'm not trying to be negative, but I'm just saying that from now on, the fans have got a right to complain if it's not up to the same standard in future games. Would you say that's right, Jesse? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I think Keith Curl has now set what our expectations out are and what his expectations of that team are. Now, as a Cobblers fan, my expectations are quite high because we are coming off the back of three really poor years. But actually, if you look at the performance on Saturday, that's what I expect now. But equally, on the flip side of that, if we're playing to that standard and we lose, we also don't have a right to complain, if that makes sense. Because if they're able to play football like that and 
really apply themselves and know what they're doing, we cannot then get frustrated and complain and whinge when we lose 1-0 against, you know, hopefully not, but against teams like Bradford, who are, are really strong teams. We have to get behind this team and we have to praise them when they're doing things well, even if it doesn't end in a win. I think that's really, really important this year because I think we have been in this cycle in the last three years where it's been constant negativity and constant, um, really quite pessimistic football and views. And I think we need to really tap into the players and the the encouragement and the confidence they'll get if the fans can see and appreciate what they're trying to do. And if they are winning, then brilliant. But also if it's not going well, but they're playing well and they're trying to do the things that we know they're capable of in games like Plymouth, then we need to appreciate that for what it is, progression. I think you're right, Jesse. Uh, and I, uh, but I do think part of the problem will be when we come up against a team that isn't as expansive as Plymouth um, and, and do play long ball um, and perhaps don't allow as much space as Plymouth allowed us. And that's not to say that that's not to take anything away from the performance. It just means that we we won't be able to play that style for the rest of the season and expect it to work every time, if that makes sense. So it, what we should be now getting to the point of is that we've got, right, look, we've got a plan B now. We've got a plan A. We've got a couple of different plans and things we can do when we can mix it up a little bit. If we need to mix it up and go long ball, you know, we've got a couple of big guys on the bench. Um, we can come on and do that. But also, look, we've shown we can play sort of attacking, free-flowing, exciting football as well, which is only a positive thing. And, and I should mention as well, just a shout out for, for Dane Oliver. He only came on the pitch for about nine minutes on Saturday, but he won every single header he went for. It was amazing. Postman. Neil. Postman. Neil. Postman. Neil. It's black and white We're back. We are back with Postman. Postman Neil. Due to popular demand, Charles has had to relinquish control, haven't you, Charles? Um, yes, you for now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this week we went uh, a little bit retro and we went back to doing a Cobbler's 11. And uh, you can find it on our website, which Charles will inform you of now. Cobblers to me dot com, uh, and the full team's up there. I'll just call out. In fact, no, I'll whisper it really quickly, but we won't we won't discuss them. But there's a couple of crackers on there. So we've got Candy Woodman, Kyle Walker's Crisps, Ben Tizer, Charlie Food, Fred Murray Mint. That's the defence in midfield. We've got Josh Low Carb Diet, Roy Hunter's Chicken. Obviously, we've got Michael Jacobs Crackers. We've got one of my favourites, Chris Hackett Potato. And up, up front, we've got an absolute demon strike force of Big John Kale and Jake Robinson Squash. We've got a uh, manager of Christmas Cake Wilder. Uh, and subs, we've got Mark Oistbun, Terry Angus Steak, Ryan Egg and Cresswell, Ryan Watsits, and Mayo Akinfenwa. I'm amazed Mayo Akinfenwa hasn't made the start in 11, to be honest. It, it was a tough choice between him and Big John Kale, I'll be honest. I would have gone Big John Kale and Mayo Akinfenwa. Bit, bit too big to play football, those two, though. Well, you can tell them that, Charles. Not that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're braver than us. I wanted to give Jake something to be, you know, to hang on to about his cobbler's career, apart from that one goal at Accrington. Hi, Jake. I know, he scored against Milton Keynes-Dons in the cup, didn't he, remember? In the cup, he did. Yes, you're right. 
Yeah. Well done, Jake. Well done, Jakey. Um, what else have we got, Charles? We've got uh, Goal of the Month and Player of the Month awards to do, haven't we? Yes, we do. So, uh, new for this season, uh, we will be asking you for your both your Goal of the Month and Player of the Month each and every month throughout the course of the season. And then, obviously, come the end of the season in April, we will then have a look at all the players that you've selected as Player of the Month and the Goal of the Month competition, and we will then put it to you to have the Player of the Season and the goal of the season as well. So this month, we'll start off with... What do you want to start off with, Chess? Do you want the player of the month or the goal of the month? Goal of the month, because I know what's coming. Goal of the month. Okay, then. Let me just... that That's thrown me, because I've now got to go and find it. What, what were the nominations we had? Well, the nominations were... First of all, let's have a little caveat to this. There weren't many to choose from. <laughs> we only scored four, didn't we? All right. <laughs> I think we did. <laughs> Only really scored four. And um, yeah, anyway. So <laughs> in no particular order, um, the nominations were Ryan Watson against Port Vale. Matty Warburton versus Swansea. Andy Williams versus Swindon. And Sammy Hoskins versus the Arsenal in last Tuesday's EFL Champions League trophy tie. Um, before I give the winner, um, out of those four, Chessie, which one would be your favourite? Williams at Swindon, without doubt. Williams at Swindon, okay. Is that for the general? Um, um, can, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to bleep it out. Shithousery? <laughs> yeah, just because it's brilliant. But also, as well, because of the technique to actually pull that off, even if it was offside or not. Oh, oh, the technique of, of actually scoring the goal, not the technique of being in front of the last defender. No, I mean, I don't care where <laughs> he is. Bribing the, the linesman. Yeah. <laughs> Neil, what was your favourite goal out of those four? Uh, probably Matty Warburton's, I think. A nice team goal. Lovely. Okay. Well, the winner... Well, in fact, what we'll do is we'll tell you exactly what it was. So, in last place, with 2% of the vote... Got to be Ryan uh, Watson's. Ryan Watson against Port Vale. You're right. Yes, it was. In third place, um, sorry, Jesse, was Andy Williams against Swindon. 23% of the vote. Offside, wasn't it? I think that's probably why. It was offside. It was lucky. Uh, it was never offside. <laughs> never offside. In second place, uh, with twenty five percent of the vote, was Matty Bagel. Oh. So Matty Bagel doesn't even win for his first ever professional goal. Sorry about that, Matty. Um, so the winner with fifty percent of the vote was Samuel Tobias Hoskins. Congratulations, Sam, and congratulations, Danny. Was a good goal, to be fair. It, it was a good goal, wasn't it? Good it finish, was, wasn't it? It was one of those textbook Sam Hoskins smack it and and see it fly in, and everybody wonder why he can't do it every week. Maybe he can. Hit now. it and hope. Maybe he can. He's been working on his finishing, hasn't he? He's been working on something because he's getting better and better. It's good to know that, isn't it? It's good to know. Right then, we'll have a look at the uh, player of the month for August. So uh, again, no particular order, guys. Your nominations were Andy Williams, David Cornell, Charlie Good, and Ryan Watson. Go on then, Neil, you, you give us your first. Uh, Jordan Turnbull. Not in the list. Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> Charlie Good. Charlie Good, any particular reason? Uh, no, I think he's he's just led by example. 
Okay. Uh, Chessie, would you agree? Uh, no, not necessarily because I think Charlie Good. She hates Charlie, Charlie Good. Good <laughs> has done a bad job. I think he's done a really good job. But on account of the fact that our goal difference would be approximately minus 659 if Guy Cornell wasn't in goal, I'm going for him. Okay, right. Um, that's actually, I, I think this is quite a tight um, call this month. Um, I agree with both of you. I think Charlie Good has uh, been excellent for us and led from the front. He's done really well with that captain's armband on him. And um, Charlie Good. Charlie Good. And Di Cornell has been exceptional between the posts, I would say. Um, David Cornell. Fabulous efforts uh, in goal. Um, I tell you who actually would have been mine, Ryan Watson. I think he's been... Yeah, he's been, he's been really good, hasn't he? He's been very consistent and very underrated. That, that's it. Very underrated. It's a fair, it is a fair shout. And he was super impressive on Saturday. So it's a fair shout. I understand the Ryan Watson one. Okay, right. Well, then let's tell you who the winner is. Uh, with 34% of the vote, it's Andy Williams. Andy Williams. There we go. So... Uh, in... did this vote go out? Well, this vote went out straight after the finish. Well, of course, Andy Williams won. <laughs> straight after Plymouth, uh, Andy Williams. <laughs> to be fair, he's top goal scorer so far with three goals. Yeah, um, and he has done well. And he, he has, has performed, performed well. well. So, yeah. So, um, Charlie Good came second with 32% of the vote. I told you it was tight. Charlie um, Good. If I'd have voted, how many votes did you have? We had 73. If I'd have voted, that might have tipped the scale a bit. It may well have done. I voted. I forgot. <laughs> Shocking, Neil. Shocking. <laughs> um, Charlie Good came second with 32%. Ryan Watson was in third with 19%. And David Cornell got 15%. So we'll do all of that once again at the end of September. Um, do let us know who you think should be in the running for September's as and when we go throughout the month. And if you happen to really disagree with that result, then you should have voted then, shouldn't you? Um, so, yeah. What happens if they did vote and disagree? Well, um, we live in a democracy. No, we'll have another vote. Danny's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Bobby's> back. <laughs> um, so there we go. Bye, Danny. Hello, I'm the voice of Gaviscon, Max Rushton, and it's all cobblers to me. We had a... a- a fair bit, well, not to say a fair bit, we had a, a bit on the Twitter, didn't we, after the game and stuff? We did, at Cobblers to me, yeah. Yeah, we had. Uh, we also had a tweet from KFC this today, didn't we? Oh, we did have a tweet from KFC today, you are correct. Which was good. Um, we had... Or was it good? <laughs> we had uh, Cobbler Kev, he tweeted us to say it has to be the best performance, certainly the first half in three years. Uh, good game management technically in the second half uh, which was nice this was obviously after the Plymouth game we had uh, Dodd Cobbler saying hope we play the same team on Tuesday evening this is the only cup we can realistically win this season and a weak team will irritate the supporters against a team we morally need to beat Um, not sure I necessarily agree with that Um, although I do always enjoy beating those blue bastards Um, James Clark he offers a word of caution um, he says, we were excellent on Saturday against Plymouth. Absolutely terrific. Uh, but one thing he would caution against, expecting teams to be as open and as expansive as Plymouth were. Most sides are compact and hard to break down, so our lack of pace and width may continue to cause us a headache. Not now we've got Elgie. Uh, what else have we got? We've got a couple more. 
Go on then. Uh, Let's hear a couple more. Uh, Jefferson Lake, that's up there with the famous 0-0 FA Cup round one draw with Rochdale at Sixfields when they had 10 men for 89 minutes. <laughs> Cheers, Jeff. Uh, James says, if we don't use today's result as a springboard, then it could be another table of mi- another season sorry, of mid-table obscurity. Uh, what else have we got? We've got a couple more and then we'll leave it there, shall we? Uh, Sean McWilliams was classed today. And as I mentioned earlier in the week, he will lose the trait of taking the extra touch. Don't think he did much wrong today off the ball or on the ball. That's from Matt Collins. Uh, obviously a big McWilliams fan. Uh, Matt also said, what a performance. I wonder, he wonders if the Lions interview about bypassing the midfield made Curl change his tactics today. Getting the midfield players involved today really created chances for us going forward. Curl always says he's willing to listen to his players. Um, it may actually be that the, the players just needed telling. You know, may, maybe that's actually what, maybe it wasn't Curl. Maybe Curl has been asking the players to play through the midfield, but then the players just aren't doing you know, in the game situation, aren't, aren't, aren't sort of going back to what they've learned in training all week. And, it, and it's taken Chris Lyons to come out and just say, just give me the ball for them to actually remember maybe. to do it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, we've got Robert Butterfield on Twitter. Says, Butters. what a great performance. Oh, Butters. What a great performance by Hoskins. Trust you will now eat your hat. Ryan Watson was brilliant. Trust this will stop your moaning. Neil particularly should be humbled. Um, I am. I'm very humbled. Uh, it's great to see, obviously, and let's hope it continues and we're consistent with it. Uh, one from a Plymouth fan, and we'll leave it after this one. So the poorest Argyle have been all season. A number of the players not at the races and a few injuries to deal with. Sounds like excuses to me. Um, he does go on to say, I thought you'd be up there in the playoffs with us in the summer, and I still think that. Like Plymouth, I think you just need to be a bit more patient. Um, give it 15 games and see where you are, but I think you'll be okay. Uh, so yeah generally positive feedback after the game on Saturday which is no surprise after a fantastic 3-1 victory is it lovely brilliant thank you very much Neil thank you very much for getting your thoughts and comments in thank you for completing our food 11 for us and also our player and goal of the month don't forget you can contact us on Twitter at Cobblers to Me on Facebook at Cobblers to Me as well and on our website uh, cobblers to me.com um fabulous well up next we take a trip to valley parade and bradford city i'm nicky adams and it's all cobblers to me so i'm joined now by bradford fan tim penfold nice to have you on the show thanks for joining me tim thanks for having me no problem so uh, bradford tell us a little bit about their season so far six games in at the moment if I'd had to pick one word to describe our season so far, it would be unconvincing. Uh, our results are okay, really. Two wins, two draws, two defeats. But we haven't played particularly well in any of the games, with the possible exception of Oldham. And even then, Oldham aren't very good, and they had a long spell of pressure against us, where they just did, had a lot of possession without creating a huge amount. We are switching between systems quite a lot. Gary Bowyer doesn't seem to quite have quite worked out what his best team is and what's how he wants them to play. So it's a very mixed bag in what you get from us. Um, you have no idea what you're going to be facing because we've done, I think, five different systems in six games, which is very flexible. But at some point, you have to find a plan A and actually make it work. I suppose, really, having come down from League One last season, new manager, 
you were expecting to bounce straight back up, I imagine. Well, possibly, but we did come down with a large wage bill and it was all tied up in players who really haven't performed for us. And we've been shifting some of those out. Annoyingly, one of them, Owen Doyle, has gone to Swindon and is absolutely flying again, which suggests it possibly was us not using him right rather than him. But we've still got a few players like Hope Akpan stuck on high wages who just aren't contributing enough, which just limits what we can do in terms of recruitment. That said, I think we've made some decent signings over the summer, particularly James Vaughan, who's looked very impressive. So I was still hoping we've got the squad to have a really good tilt at promotion straight back. One of those players that you have got is our former goalkeeper, Richard O'Donnell. Now, how's he adjusted to life in League Two? Because our experience of him is that he doesn't like League Two at all and thinks he's far too good for it. He struggled last season. He started pretty well, but he was behind an absolutely dreadful defence. And we were also without a goalkeeper coach for six months, which sums up the way we were run last season. And eventually his form just completely fell off so he was out of the team by the end of the season but he's had a good pre-season come back well and he's played very well in the first few games he basically earned us all three points at Stevenage with some superb saves and he's not made any major errors yet so I'm quite happy with the way he's played so far and obviously last time out you did lose to crew 2-1 at the weekend um away from home so maybe not as bad as it it first looks on paper um i mean that was a, that was a performance and a result that i wasn't expecting to see certainly what what about yourself and the rest of the bradford fans there's a lot of frustration amongst the fan base at the moment um we tried a back 3 which i've never seen gary bowyer play before and it actually seemed to work for a bit going forward, but it left so much space in behind the wing-backs. It was like they weren't quite sure where everyone was meant to be defensively. And so Crew just ran into that space time and time again and cut us to shreds. But Crew are, in fairness, one of those teams who can occasionally outplay you at this level. Um, good football inside is the cliches go for them. I don't know how you guys actually feel about having that big club tag uh, associated to yourself at this level. But I think based on your attendances and and, and the size of your ground as well, it's intimidating for any away team to go to. I mean, is that something that you think that ups the expectations of of all your fan base, just simply the size of the club? Yeah, it does. Um, This is a club who up until a couple of seasons ago, was on the verge of the championship. And then we were spectacularly mismanaged and have plummeted down since and now need to do a proper rebuild. The size of the club and the stadium can be a bit of a disadvantage, though. As we found out last time we were down here, it took us six seasons to get out. And a lot of the time, our players seemed overawed, especially because all you needed to do to get the fans to turn was to keep us quiet for 25 half minutes, half an hour, and then the fans would start getting frustrated. Meanwhile, a bunch of other players saw this as their opportunity to prove they could play in front of big crowds, and therefore they ended up raising their game at Valley Parade every single time, because it's a much bigger occasion than they're used to at this level. The amount of times that I've watched the Cobblers play at Valley Parade has, has been numerous in terms of recent times, I would say. Um, only ever seen one win. And that was the last time we met, which was a 2-1 win back in January 2018. I've always gone there and felt 
kind of like w- intimidated by the size of the club, by the by the the roar of the crowd. And as you say, as soon as the crowd gets behind your team, that's when you start flying. Um, I was surprised to actually note that we've only played each other thirty three times, and you are well ahead on the head to head. You've actually won twenty one of those thirty three games compared to our putrid putrid seven. Um, so. Are you expecting another victory on Saturday for yourselves? I'm hoping for another victory. I don't think I can expect it the way we're playing at the moment. I'm mostly expecting a draw. It's the sort of game, because Northampton I have down as playoff contenders, really, one of those multitude of teams that's looking to basically just hit the top seven and try and get a run to, uh, to run as far as Wembley. If we are serious about the top three, which with our budget, I still think we should be, despite the fact that we've retained a lot of deadwood from last season. I think that's the sort of game we need to be looking to win. I'm just not confident we're going to do it yet. We haven't found our rhythm at all, and we haven't got a system that quite works yet. You said there how you're sort of you've got us down as playoff contenders for this season. How how do you, uh, as a as an outsider from Northampton, see the Cobblers as a, as a football club? Well. You've got a decent manager for this level in Keith Curl. Um, he did a good job from memory at Carlisle under fairly tricky circumstances financially. Again, Northampton, to be honest, is a club that doesn't actually have, sort of stand out too much for Brabham fans, apart from with the playoff final a few years ago. Um, Which didn't happen, by the way. Well, it didn't happen for your <laughs> lot. Um, it, that was a weird sensation, Uh feeling like, the, with hindsight, thinking the game was over after half an hour. But when you were there, you just thought, yeah, we can throw this one away. We always throw this sort of thing away. It's a 3-0 lead at Wembley. This is the sort of thing we always throw away. But yeah, because there's not too much of a history between Bradford and Northampton apart from that. So yeah, um, Northampton are just one of those always yo-yoing between League 1 and 2. So I'd expect you to be in the playoff contention, but I'm not sure you're not one of the huge budget teams like Salford um, that I'm expecting to really challenge. Fair enough. So coming to this Saturday then, uh, you've already said you're kind of thinking it'll be a draw. Is there, is there anyone we should sort of be looking out for? Any any goal scorers from your side that we should be wary of? If we're going to score, it's probably going to be James Vaughan. He is too good for this level. Um, I was very surprised that we actually got him because he should really still be at League One level. He is our best forward and when he drops deep into midfield, he's our best midfielder as well. So he's the biggest goal threat. Apart from that, Clayton Donaldson could be a bit of a threat. He's still fairly quick for his age and got plenty of experience. In terms of other players that should stand out, though, um, Connor Wood has been playing left-back and left midfield for us this season and has been fairly impressive. Um, He's got a really good cross on him, good set-piece taker, and that creates a lot of our chances at the moment. And in midfield, although he hasn't quite started firing yet Matty Palmer has an excellent range of passing and should be able to dictate a game if he's really given the chance to finally then Tim can we we get a score prediction from you for Saturday I'm gonna go one all and sit on the fence there we go then that's Tim Penfold from the width of a post uh, which is Bradford City's uh, blog site, website, fan site whatever you want to call them and they have a podcast as well um Fairly comprehensive there. James Vaughan, the obvious standout goal-scoring threat. Um, I think we could have told you that um, ourselves. Um, Clayton Donaldson, though, I'm, I'm surprised he's not retired yet. He's 34 and he's still going strong. 
all you need to do now is just send that audio clip to Keith Curl. Great insight into Bradford. Job done. It's true. Yeah, you are very right. Um, it could go for or against us. I mean, I don't tend to like it when we do this sort of thing where, you know, we learn about the opposition too early on. It, make, it gives me a false sense of hope. I mean, personally, for this weekend away at Bradford, as I said there to, to Tim, that we've only played each other 33 times and they've won 21 of them. I'm, I'm not holding out much hope of a win myself. Well, they've invariably been been higher up the pyramid than we have, haven't, haven't they? Mm. You know, they had a spell in the Prem, didn't they, when they had, was it Benito Carbone they, they had at that did, time? They did, yeah. Um, most notably was uh, Paul Scholes' goal against them. Ah, yes, from the corner. Yeah. Yeah, so they've had some spells further up the league, haven't they? And I know they've been through some relatively tough spells as well. I I think you're right with what you say, Charles. To us, they're a pretty big club. It's a big ground. Um, I know I never feel confident going away to Plymouth, but I do remember going there when the good doctor won us the game. Do you remember that one? Kenny Duker, yeah. Uh, I actually weirdly feel confident about Saturday. Really? Which I don't think I've no, I've never even said it on the podcast, have I? And I'm very pessimistic, but I think that Plymouth game could well have been the springboard for us. And in the way that I think that they now the shackles are off a little bit because they've got that big win out of the way. The fans are now off their back. They can relax a little bit. They know what they're doing to a certain extent. They've just got to hold their nerve, and I think they'll be okay with that because they're on the back of this really good win. And also as well, in a funny kind of way, maybe conceding the goal straight after we scored on Saturday helped us with the fact that we were able to deal with that and we knew what to do. I think had we uh, have not conceded on Saturday and then gone up to Bradford, took the lead, and then they'd scored, they may have come come back and absolutely slaughtered us because we didn't know how to deal with conceding. But I think possibly having that game play out the way it did on Saturday, I think we're well-equipped and able to deal with what's coming on Saturday. Oh, fair enough. I mean, one of the things that I did mention to Tim in my chat with him earlier was, you know, Richard O'Donnell. Um, what sort of reception do you think he's going to get from the Cobblers travelling faith or Neil? I don't care, Charles. Um he doesn't play for us anymore, does he? Uh, he he was all right for us, I thought. He wasn't amazing, was he? He wasn't... I didn't think he was, like, irreplaceable or anything. He was relatively average. He left us to play at a high, high level, didn't he? And he didn't stick around for that long. So, yeah, no, I don't care, mate. Uh, maybe a brief couple of claps, you know, well done. You used to play for us. Hope you have a shit game. See, I was wondering whether the the away fans will uh, will actually end up booing him because of the fact that he came to us and then he he left as soon as we got relegated, um, only to now be back in League Two anyway, having got relegated for a second time in two years. Uh, I think it depends. You get some sections of the support that will boo anyone that's ever played for us before, won't you? I think some people even booed Ricky Holmes when he came back, and well, that's just I'm nonsensical, like... isn't it? Isn't it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, isn't it? And I think, I don't know. Who knows? Um, uh, and ultimately, who cares, Charles? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fine. That's that's no problem. Um, 
Uh, I mean, the thing that does give me slight hope is that the last time that we played at Valley Parade, we did come away with a win. Uh, we beat them 2-1 uh, with goals from uh, John Joe O'Toole um, and Chris Long um, before Bradford got a last-minute consolation. Um, so it is doable. We can beat Bradford at Valley Parade. It just doesn't happen very often. They're only one point ahead of us, aren't they? I know it's early days in the table, but... They are. They're 12th and we're 17th, I think, is... Uh... Where we're at. Yeah, they've got eight points. We've got seven points. That's it. They've won one, two, drawn two, lost two. We've won two, drawn one, one lost and lost three. three. Yeah. They've scored... How many goals have they scored? They've scored six, conceded four. We've scored six, conceded six. Oh, um. oh, oh dear. <laughs> So there we go. That's the table. <laughs> Interestingly, when looking at the, the League 2 table, um, and to be honest, all I've done is just type it in Google and clicked on it, but every club has got a badge apart from Salford City. I know. I know. I love that. I think that's absolutely hilarious. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Linked into, because, was it you, Jesse, that said recognized. they're not a real club? <laughs> yeah. No, that was not me. Was it Danny? Please do not blame me. It was Danny. <laughs> and it was also... Um, one of the people you had on the roundtable podcast. It was not me. I, oh yeah, it was. Wasn't me. It? <laughs> <laughs> well, come on then. Let's get uh, let's get some predictions for this Saturday. Uh, Danny did let me know that he's going for a uh, a seven nil win. Um, Is that for the Forest Green game? That was for the Forest Green game. Yes, um, he he told me that they were going to. Um, They're win away at Cambridge. Way at Cambridge, seven nil, and he was going to eat a lot of uh, Greg's vegan sausage rolls in celebration. Oh, they're so good! Don't you start? I oh, love them. So get good. out, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, what's your uh, what's your prediction for Saturday? I think we're going to win one nil. Okay. Okay. Goal scorer. I know. Uh, Hoskins. Hoskins. Thun- Thunderbolt. Yeah. Ooh, it'd be good. I've just got, I've, I've just got a feeling about Saturday, and normally I'm wrong, but let's go with it. Well, the person that I want to have a feeling about Saturday is Jake Sharp because he put on Twitter. Did you see on on Saturday morning before the Plymouth game? It. He said, "I've got the Swindon feels about this game," and apparently he had a feeling on the morning of the Swindon game that we were going to win, and we did, and then had the same sort of feeling again on Saturday morning just before we beat Plymouth. So, hopefully. Saturday morning, Jake will be waking up feeling just as positive yet again. Let's hope so. Come on, Jake Sharp. It's all on your shoulders. Indeed. Yeah, nothing to do with the players. It's all about (laughs) Mystic Jake. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go for a realistic two-all draw. Is that that as opposed to an unrealistic two-all draw? Yes, that's that's correct. I, I think uh, I, I, when I say realistic, I'm going to go with uh, an Andy Williams brace. Ooh. Yeah, there we go. And uh, and we'll probably we'll probably go two one up, only to be pegged back. That's that's my prediction. Ooh. Neil, I am going to go with. I think this will be a four-one Cobblers victory. One day it'll be right, won't it? 4-1 Cobblers. Uh, a realistic 4-1 Cobblers victory, <laughs> I should say. 
<laughs> is, is that because you're not putting Di Cornell as one of the goal scorers? Is that yeah. what makes it realistic? Yeah, four one cobblers on. Actually, what did we win? We beat Plymouth three three one, didn't we? We're not mm-hmm. going to go four one. Actually, I'm going to change that. I'm going to go three two cobblers. Oh, goal scorers! Come on. Yep, three of them, and they will be uh, a goal from a Chris Lyons. Oh, free kick. Don't know. I'm not going. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, one from Andy Williams. Yep. And I think one from Nicky Adams. Okay. Um, the other question that I've got for your prediction skills here, boys and girls, is uh, do you think our new boy will feature in the game? Elgi. I think he'll be on the bench. Egli Kaja. Egli Kaja. Um, I think he, yeah, at best on the bench, I'd imagine. I'd, although it's not like he's coming from the cold, is it? Because he's been on trial with the club for a couple of weeks. So he's already integrated into the squad and stuff. So I, I definitely don't think he'll start, but I, I suspect he might be, might be on the bench. Well, just like the transfer window, this week's podcast is done. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe, share, and review the show with your friends. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Cobblers2Me. Thanks to Bradford fan Tim, as well as to Chessie and Neil for helping to make this week's show. We'll be back next week, hopefully with full bragging rights after winning the Nen Derby and getting another three points in the league. Bye, Ash. Bye, Ash. Bye, Danny. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.